0: Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar with too many thoughts, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert and exotic mushroom, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we are here today to talk about Lie to Me, the seventh episode of season two. Lie to Me first aired on November 3rd, 1997, and was written and directed by some guy named Joss Whedon. I know, imagine that. Some weirdo rando just
1: stepping in to, like, do an episode or whatever. <laughs> a warning before we begin every episode of Still Pretty talks about each episode within the greater context of all of the Buffyverse and as such is fully spoiled. All right, ours is a forbidden love, so let's go on patrol. <laughs> In Lie to Me, Buffy sees Angel talking to Drusilla, and they're looking pretty chummy. Instead of talking to him about it, she runs off. The next day, her friend Ford from her old school shows up in town, Sand's floppy hair, but chock full of douchebag. So you two were
0: sweeties in fifth grade? Not even. Ford wouldn't give me the time of day. Well, I was a manly sixth grader. Couldn't be bothered with someone that young. The crew hits the bronze that night, and when Buffy sees Angel, she asks him about the night before. He lies to her saying he stayed in all night reading she pouts refusing to tell him why she's upset and leaves with ford outside a vampire is attacking a girl and buffy asks ford to go into the bronze for her purse he doesn't and sees her slaying a vampire and buffy has a perfectly reasonable explanation um uh, there was a, a cat a cat here and um then there was a, another cat and they thought the cats and then they left Oh, I thought you were just slaying a vampire.
1: While Buffy's relieved that she doesn't have to worry about Ford discovering her dark secret, it turns out that Ford has a secret of his own. He's part of an underground vampire cult with a plan.
0: A couple more days and we'll get to do the two things every American teen should have the chance to do. Die young. And stay pretty. It turns out Ford pinged Angel's spidey sense, so he goes to Willow's house at night despite the fact that we've established that he has a phone, and asks her to invite him in and spy on Ford and lie to Buffy about it. She agrees, but not before telling Angel that jealousy doesn't look good on him. Yeah, (laughs) I get jealous,
1: but I know people, and my gut tells me this is a wrong guy.
0: Okay, but if there isn't anything weird... Hey, that's weird. What? I just
1: checked the school records and... He's not in them. The next night, Angel, Willow, and Xander go to check out Ford's sketchy vampire cult club and discover that it is, indeed, hella sketchy. Meanwhile, Buffy and Ford come across vampires on campus, and Buffy calls Giles in from his monster truck date with Jenny to figure out what's going on. Giles gratefully goes to his books, and Buffy sees an old picture that catches her attention.
0: Who's this? Um, she's called Drusilla, a sometime paramour of Spikes. She was killed by an angry mob in Prague. Well, they don't make angry mobs like they used to, because this girl's alive. At school, the vampire that Ford said he killed steals one of Giles's books, and Buffy's spidey sense goes off. At the warehouse, Spike is interrogating Drusilla about her visit with Angel when Ford shows up with the book the vampire stole and tells Spike... He wants to become a vampire.
1: I've known you for two minutes and I can't stand you. I don't really feature you living forever. Can I eat him now, love? Ford offers Spike a trade, the Slayer, for eternal life as a vampire. At Buffy's house, Angel stops by, tells her the story of how he tormented and eventually turned Drusilla, and then tells her that he and Xander and Willow have been looking into Ford.
0: I don't know what he wants from you, but you can't trust him. Buffy goes to the club and confronts Ford. The door to the club closes with everyone inside, and they all think the vampires are going to turn them. Buffy tries to get them out, and Ford tells her he's dying, and becoming a vampire is the only way to cheat death. Spike and his gang of merry vamps come in, and Buffy puts a stake to Drusilla's heart. Spike! Everybody stop! Good idea. Now you let everybody out or your girlfriend fits in an ashtray.
1: Spike tells the vampires to let the idiots go. Buffy throws Drusilla at Spike and escapes, locking Ford in with the vamps. Later, Buffy returns and collects Ford's body. At night, she waits by his grave in case he rises, and Giles waits with her.
0: Nothing's ever simple anymore. I'm constantly trying to work it out. Who to love or hate, who to trust... It's just like, the more I know, the more confused I get.
1: I believe that's called growing up.
0: I'd like to stop then, okay? Ford rises and Buffy slays him. She turns to Giles and asks him if it ever gets easy. What do you want me to say? Lie to me.
1: Yes, it's terribly simple. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy
0: horns or black hats. And uh, we always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies, and everybody lives happily ever after.
1: God, that is like my favorite part ever. It's so good. (laughs) Giles' whole speech at the end. I love it so much. He's so great. We get some really good
0: Giles. (laughs)
1: All right, so Noel, tell me, what'd you think? A lie to me?
0: False conflict alert! False conflict alert! <laughs> well spotted, baby. No, just come on, you guys, come on. I mean. <laughs> All right. Now, you know
1: how I feel about false conflict. And for those of you out there who haven't heard me rant about this before, false conflict is when you have two people who are in conflict. And if they had just had a conversation, they would realize it was all a misunderstanding and everything would be fine. If conflict can be resolved by a conversation, it is false conflict. However, that said, as much as I usually am the one to rant and rail about false conflict, I think we're okay here. I think it's okay. I think that because, okay, very specific circumstances here. (laughs) We have an entire episode that is all about lies and secrets and trust. So thematically, it blends, you know, and it works in there. Um, on top of that, she sees him, you know, with Drusilla. It looks really super chummy. Um, you know, she runs off, of course, and like, as a teenage girl, like, I can see why she would do that. But the next night, she talks to him and gives him a chance to tell her, honestly, what was happening, you know. So it's it's less, and he lies to her, you know. But it's yeah. less about false conflict and more about her just kind of putting him to the test um, and making sure that he's being straight with her. Yeah. So... I feel like this one, I mean, it, it is it is definitely, you know, it is definitely a false conflict. But I feel like this one kind of gets a pass. It gets a pass for me anyway.
0: Okay, fair enough. I think what <laughs> I don't like is when she asks him about the night before and he says, he, he says nothing. And she yeah. says, nothing at all. You cease to exist. That feels like a jerk line to me. Like, that's yeah. using your powers of smartassery for evil instead of good. And I just... I I don't prefer it. I don't like it. But but in that moment, she knows that he's lying
1: to her. I mean, granted, she's also lying to him by pretending that she doesn't know where he was and what he was doing the night before because she does. Right. Right. Um, So, I mean, it's it's, you know, it's not like I can I absolutely see your point, but I kind of feel like I understand why she's upset with him at that point. Sure. I understand, you know. I mean, like, I get it. Being lied to is a terrible, terrible thing, and it is a betrayal in a relationship, you know. So, you know, I mean, I, I kind of get it. Like, I, 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 you know, you're right. It's
0: not that you're not right. <laughs> well, no, it's just that
1: I kind of get it. Yeah, and
0: it's just that I mean, you know how I feel about Buffy and Angel. I just kind of uh, yes. mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> <That's, laughs> fine. That's fine. whatever. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I like. I I like Buffy saying to giles about angel it's so sweet giles says you know you should take the night off and spend some time with angel and she says he might have other plans and you know Mm -hmm. okay but i love the idea that maybe dating miss calendar has made giles more agreeable to the idea of someone having a romantic life oh even, sure right even he a slayer. wants night off <laughs> right so now that he's gonna take the night off to go to monster trucks yes. so she can have a night off as well <laughs> right. oh dear god
1: <laughs> i love that moment too with giles and jenny where he's she's like you know it's a surprise and he's like well how do i know what to wear she's like do you have anything else <laughs> G- giles wears tweed to sleep like he has uh, he tweed, does like... he does in a couple of years we're gonna see depressed sweater giles but i believe <gasps> that he just goes shopping at that point. He didn't have those sweaters at this point. And when we get the sweater Giles, that's a very fun, you know, kind of sad
0: Giles. It's like no, these these jackets are too chipper for my mental exactly. health right now. Right. <laughs> this tweed is just too flashy. It is you know? too flashy. Yeah. 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 But I I mean It's such a, it's a minor thing in the episode, but Giles and Jenny in this episode just absolutely delight me. I love, I I love their little flirtation as -hmm. they're, they're walking through the school, which I mean, they're being pretty open about being flirty with each other. Yeah. That just seems kind of, I don't know somehow that doesn't seem right to me but i also like the idea that the adults in this world are the ones who are out in the open about what's going on in their lives (laughs) that's (laughs) sort of reassuring um yeah yeah but i mean but buffy and angel buffy and angel oh no i mean (laughs) it's not it's not the healthiest relationship you guys like jealousy Uh uh-uh Uh, uh. and the way oh god the way angel explains his feelings about buffy to willow just i yeah mm -mm, no his whole like oh it never it never used to be that way like i never Mm -hmm. used to and what i thought he was saying at first was that he never had trouble with jealousy before but what he's actually saying is that he never had to he never had trouble with jealousy because he didn't have anybody in his life. He was honing his he was withdrawn, skills. He
1: was withdrawn from the
0: world, yeah. you know, living in alleys, eating rats. Right. You know, and I guess at that point
1: it's hard to have the emotional wherewithal to get jealous of anything. But yeah, it was the it was that for and he says for a hundred years. So he's talking about just since the time he got a soul. Yeah. And before that, I don't think he was ever jealous because he didn't care. Right. Like he didn't care about Darla. He didn't care, you know, like so um so I mean I think he did care about Darla, but like not in that way. Right. You know, um and not in a way that would make him jealous. And so he's like, you know, I was I was by myself, I didn't have to think and then, you know, yeah, I get jealous. And so, you know, I didn't mind that because he was being honest about it. But he was also saying, Yeah, I'm jealous. But that's not why, you know, I'm looking into this guy. But Let's talk a little bit about Angel, because this is yeah. not peak Angel in this episode. Um, you know, we have him in the opening with Drusilla, which is amazing. Oh, right? God. Yeah. Um, and he can't hurt her. She says something to him like, you know, I know you can't hurt me. Yeah. Right? But it's not what that he can't, do? because she's a yeah. vampire. He kills vampires, no problem. But he can't hurt her. He's done so much to her that he yes. can't hurt her anymore. You know, and so I kind of like that with, with uh, him and her. What I really dislike is when he goes to Willow's, right? Um, He goes to Willow's. It's nighttime, yeah, um she has parents. she's a teenage girl, now, the thing is, we have given kind of a pass, well, at least I have um <laughs> to to angel being two hundred and you know twenty four years older than Buffy, yeah, right? you know she's sixteen, he's two hundred and forty uh it's a bit of an age jump, right, yeah, and, but we've talked about that in terms of the power differential and the things that make her special as a slayer, and that she is. An adult, like living in an adult world, even though she's still kind of a kid. So we sort of give that a pass. Mm -hmm. Um, Him going to Willow's house, to the house of a 16-year-old girl at night... Um, And then asking her to, um, you know, to look into Buffy's friend, Uh right, to betray Buffy, and then asking her to lie about it. Um, All of that stuff, not okay. Like, and also, like, we have established, dude has a phone. Giles has (laughs) called him on the phone before. He's got a landline. He can't call her. And I, I know phones are terrible. Phones are terrible on screen. You never want people in phones. That's why everybody's always going to each other's house in TV. And movies, even though, you know, in reality, we text each other because texting and phone calls are death on film. Absolutely, (laughs) I get it. But all of this, I find completely inappropriate, you know, for him to, um, to put her in that position, you know, to make her invite him into her house. You know, if you're the kind of person that a, you know, like a mystical barrier exists to keep you from going into people's houses, like getting an invitation is a big deal. Yeah, Asking for an invitation is a big deal. And I know he's got a soul, you know, and he knows he's not going to hurt her. Right. Yeah. But still, like, it feels wrong to me. And this, this moment has always, you know, kind of struck me the wrong way. Did did you pick up on that? Did that I, bother
0: you? No, I didn't pick up on oh. any of that. I absolutely love this scene. I feel yeah. like this is such great Angel and such great Willow. And mm-hmm. I completely see your point. Mm-hmm. And, but something about the way it's played, something yeah. about the performance, both of their performances. And because we've, we've established earlier in the episode at the bronze, Willow mm-hmm. is offering... To play pool with Angel, which I just think is I so know. sweet. Like she's trying to mm-hmm. include him in the group because she knows yeah. how everybody feels about everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she says, Well, we could still play. And it's just really, it's like <laughs> so sweet. Like she's, she is yeah. trying to be on board with mm-hmm. this guy that her friend cares about. Yeah. So she doesn't, I mean, it is weird that he shows up at her house and I also just love the way he does it he like he seems so sorry that he's there, yeah. like I kind of—he's mm-hmm. got this kind of hangdog look, like oh, I hate to ask you, but uh, and she's like, oh yeah, come on in, or, or oh yeah, and then you know doesn't say anything, and he says I can't, and then come, she says come in, but then she
1: has to say to him, um, hey, if I tell you something you don't want to hear, do you promise that not to, to bite me? me? And it's cute, yeah, you know, but like at the same time, like she is very aware that he is a vampire, and the trust that she's putting in him by inviting him yes. into her house, like yeah, is huge, and so like I honestly like I do I. Love love willow in the scene and i and i like angel in this scene too but that feels really inappropriate to me yeah it feels like like boundaries are just being pushed and uh, you know and like and it doesn't feel like an angel thing to put her in that
0: position yeah it doesn't it doesn't align very well with the other angel that we've seen yeah. Um. Up to this point, but I just I don't know. There's something about it that I really really like. I think there's something very sweet about mm-hmm. the way he says. You know, she says, kind of annoyed. I'm not supposed to have boys in my room. I like, know. Like, and the way she says it to him, like, I know this is a. I know this is a silly rule. You know, this is a silly rule. We both know there's nothing between us. And. Right. I'm still going to get in trouble if someone finds out you're here. And the way he says, he says something like, I promise to behave myself. But he says it like that, that line and the, and the, will you promise not to bite me line, those are lines that to me could have gone a number of different ways. Yeah. And the way that the actors take those lines, it's a Mm -hmm. very. It's very sweet. It reads very sweet to me. and not It is. It is very creepy. sweet. Yeah. Like it could mm-hmm. have been very creepy. And I yes. see how this is not like it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's not great angel behavior in terms of like, yeah, I mean, he has a phone. He could contact Giles. I mean, there's a whole we've seen him do all of these things. We've seen him right. go to Giles. But to go to Willow, I guess his excuse is that. He wants her to look forward up on the internet, on, yes. the, on the World Wide Web. On I'm the, the net. Know, on the net. I'm net girl. I'm the <laughs> net girl. <laughs> it's just so great. It's so adorable. Yeah, the way, he, you need, I guess, he says, I guess I need help. And she says, with homework? Oh, no. Because you're <laughs> old and you know stuff. <laughs> just...
1: It is. I mean, everything in this in this scene is really adorable. It's, it's just so that great. that bothered me. Yeah, you know the the position that he was putting her in, not just with asking for her to invite him in, <laughs> but also asking her to lie to Buffy. Yeah. And she's obviously very uncomfortable with that. Um, oh god! You know, I it, mean, it's obviously so funny. His, his instincts it's are right. So funny. But still, yeah. if you
0: want me to lie, it's Buffy. <laughs> like oh, like it's if Buffy. it were anyone else, Willow would be totally fine. But I'm not oh, gonna yeah. lie to Buffy. Yeah. Buffy? Are you kidding me? Exactly. She can't lie to Buffy. Buffy's her best friend. Oh. I mean, that's serious. You know? And then, I'm sorry, but then that leads into just the best, some of the best Willow. I know we're supposed to be talking yeah. about Angel, but I just. No, I got it bad for Willow. Over. I'm done. And with I have Angel. it real bad for Willow in this episode. Yes. <laughs> she walks up to the drinking fountain at school the next day, and Buffy says, Willow. And she spins around like,
1: yeah. oh God.
0: And then freezes because she realizes that there's nothing she could do that Alison yeah. Hannigan I mean I I, she's so great I have no words it's so huh? perfect it's so so perfect <laughs> oh it's so good and then but then we contrast you know we get this kind of to my eye kind of adorable <laughs> angel where he's talking to Willow and he's, he's you know oh shucks I guess I'm jealous wearing way too much makeup by the way oh no what is going on?
1: Like, what? and this, I think, is the only episode where they do that with him, where the, he's got the, he's got the white powder face, yeah. he's got the eye shadow, he's got the eyeliner, he's got the lipstick. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, like... This is a bit much. And I think they were trying to really like play up the visual vampire thing. Yeah. You know, but and I think this is the only time I think they did it here and they were like, "Nope, that's not working." And they just let it go. It looks um, but so it is wrong. distracting.
0: It looks yeah. so wrong in that scene with it Willow. It is weird. And she's yeah. got on super she they did a super dark lip on her, too. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that just was what the lighting situation yeah. was or so, it it looks wrong. It takes me out of it but he's so he's so sweet in a kind of a strange way and that scene with willow Mm -hmm. but then and then when he goes to buffy's house and tells her what he did to drusilla it's Mm -hmm. just the tone is so different and it's so dark and yeah angel is a little bit all over the place here in terms of Mm -hmm. in terms of tone and in terms of who he is when he's with different characters because he's really yeah. stern with drusilla at the beginning until she reminds him oh no you can't hurt me anymore mm-hmm. and then he can't he can't meet her gaze yeah he can't yeah well because he's got he's got
1: shame from that past and I love that story like the history with Angel and Drusilla I think is so great and so textured and she is such a source of shame and guilt for him oh for sure you know um and when he's warning her he's like you got to get out. You know, you can't you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay exactly. here. Like, you know. <laughs> Which is- and she's just he's just trying to get her out of his town without hurting her because he can't bring himself to do it after everything he did to her.
0: Yeah, because I mean but she's absolutely right. I mean, what is he going to do other than mm-hmm. kill her? I mean, he could stake he her. He could. You know, he staked Darla, true but, true, but this is different.
1: Like Drusilla represents like the height of his shame that he tormented her while she was alive, you know, yeah. until she finally went into a convent. and then the day she takes holy orders, he turns her into a demon. like it is so incredibly cruel and his history with her that we're going to see play out, you know, a little bit, I think in, in Buffy, but mostly over in, in the angel series, you know, where we, we get so much more about that history there. Um, but it is, you know, it's dark, you know, and everything in this episode is really dark not just the fact that it's dark because they shoot it dark to the point where you can barely see anything oh my god <laughs>
0: yes. is it the middle of the night on that playground always. at the beginning like yes. it's always the middle of the night and sunny it's day always somewhere. the middle of the night but yes
1: this child out on the playground and like oh, he's like oh, mom god. you know and i'm like is your mom working second shift and she's like just play until midnight when i come and pick you up it's like
0: so dark it is it's, it's really weird. But I
1: mean like it's it's you know it's a dark episode and it's it's dark in in a lot of ways that oh, I yeah. think are really really interesting. Like I love one of the things I love about this episode is that it is so thematically on point. Like, we never let go of the fact that we're talking about trust issues, we're talking about lies, we're talking about secrets, and a whole range of secrets. We have, you know, Jenny and Giles. Jenny has a secret, she's bringing him to monster trucks. Like, yeah. that is a light, happy, you know, like, twinkling piano in the background kind of secret, you know? And then we've got, you know, Ford has a secret from Buffy. Buffy, of course, has her secret of being the Slayer. She's, you know, she knows about Angel and she's not telling him, like, You know, we've got all of these things going on, all of these secrets that people are keeping, all of these, you know, Buffy or uh, Willow and Xander are not telling Buffy that they were checking up on Ford. Mm -hmm. Like, there's everything. The only people that don't have secrets from each other during this is Spike and Drusilla.
0: Yeah, that's true. Except that Drusilla doesn't tell Spike oh about angel right no she does she went out he finds out from one of the other vampires and she doesn't really she doesn't really say anything to him about it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: he Mm -hmm. he is sort of interrogating her about it yeah but she doesn't she doesn't tell him one way or the other no that's true she does have a secret yeah so everybody's got secrets it's kind of cool like
1: I love you know it's about secrets and lies and trust Mm -hmm. and you know the fact that you can't really trust anybody and I kind of love that we have it we we visit it so much I mean there's that moment with Buffy and Angel where she says I love you I don't know if I can trust you Mm -hmm. you know and then Angel says I don't know what Ford wants from you but you can't trust him you know, um, it's just it's it's so it's so fun and it's so like I mean I guess not fun but like it's so deep and it's woven through every scene everything in this entire episode is about that who do you trust yeah you know can you trust the people that you love yeah um yeah it's it's you know Buffy you know loves Ford she's you know grown up with him like she has that affection for him she loves Willow she loves Xander everybody lies to her in this episode yeah except Giles I don't think Giles lies to her
0: I don't think he does. No.
1: Yeah. Well, um, he does but, at the yeah. he does
0: at the end, but she asks him to. Right. Oh my <laughs> god. I love that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Even down to our super super minor characters, um Diego and Chanterelle at the, <laughs> the Sunset Club. I love Chanterelle so much. I was oh my God. so excited to see her.
1: <laughs> it is so fun to see Julia Lee. Over in Still Dead, we just recently did another episode with her when she has, you know, progressed through her, her identities, her three beat of identities. Right, yes. First she's Chanterelle, then she's Lily, and then she takes over Buffy's identity from the beginning of Buffy season three um, and becomes Anne. And so over in Angel, she is simply Anne, you know, who runs <laughs> a local teen shelter, you know. But it is so fun seeing her move, you know, through all of these identities. And yet at the heart, it's the same character. Yeah. And she You know, is so just... seeing her in her first space. Yeah. Chanterelle is really fun.
0: And she is just trust, like embodied in yes. this episode. Innocence.
1: Wide, yeah. eyed, stupid innocence. Well, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not sure it's stupid. I think it's hopeful. I, yeah. again, this is another one of those. Those things that on the page I'm not sure looked like much but what she does with it is just incredible I mean she's the one she admits to being nervous about what's going to happen but then kind of I mean maybe that's the lie maybe she's lying to herself about being ready for this you know what she believes is going to be a transformation she's the one who is who trusts Xander and Willow when they come looking Mm -hmm. around, she walks up to them and welcomes them. And it's very sweet and sincere. Mm -hmm. I love I love her sincerity. And then she's the one who goes up the stairs to meet the vampires as they're coming in. And of course, as you know, Spike bites her. But Mm -hmm. her trust in this cult, essentially, Mm -hmm. is what is you know this is this is what's moving her forward she's able to stand there and face Spike in his vamp face which is uncharacteristically horrifying like they really yeah. scared him up for this episode yeah. mm-hmm. um but sh- but Chantrell is is able to stand there and she's afraid we can mm-hmm. see it on her face but she's trusting that this is going to work out for her. And I think yeah. that is fascinating. And then, of course, we have Diego. That's his chosen name. I forget what his... his Marvin. Br- Marvin. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Marvin. <laughs> um, but he's, you know, he says to Ford over and over, you know, I'm trusting you here. I'm really, you know, I'm really going out on a limb. I'm, you know, you're asking right. you to, to, you know, put a lot of faith in you and that sort of thing. So... Mm-hmm. we've got the trust theme all the way down yeah all the way down and it's just it's so good and some of that trust is earned and some of it is not so some, yeah. some of those characters you know like <laughs> i mean ford ford kind of gives us our our um i don't know our thesis for the episode when he says everybody lies and that's his excuse yeah and i just ugh i just hate him in that moment so much <laughs> but he's also he's a great villain because he's right in that way he's right yeah. that you know buffy calls him on his lies and he says everybody <laughs> lies and yeah. it's true and it's certainly true in this episode yeah no
1: absolutely and uh, it's interesting though because we have this movement with buffy And I kind of love this because we have like a true loss of innocence. We always talk about innocence, especially with girls in terms of, you know, virginity, which, of course, is a construct and whatever, you know, (laughs) when we talk about innocence, we're always talking about sex, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, but a loss of innocence is really like this. It is this understanding that, you know, That things don't always work out the way that they should, that being right and good doesn't mean that good things are going to happen to you, that, you know, um, that you can't trust people, that everybody lies, right? Yeah. it is, it is a real loss of, of that sense of innocence, you know, mm-hmm. and I find that so interesting, because this is a moment for me, like this, uh, this season for Buffy has a lot of different, you know, rites of passage for her, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of different spaces in which she, you know, she has to grow up and in, and, and, and by grow up, it it just means like, Accept that darkness, understand that, you know, this is the way things are see the world, you know, kind of lose any sense of, um, you know, of, of simplicity, right, yes. you know, that everything is complex, everything is nuanced, nothing is untouched by corruption, you know, um, and that that it's that loss of innocence that begins in this episode. Like this is really where she starts to have that. Yep. And I love seeing her kind of work through that, you know, all the way from the beginning to the end where she's standing with Giles, you know, at the grave and asks him to lie to her. And it is so beautiful. I love, I love that moment. I love Giles all the way through this thing. Giles, he is peak Giles. This is
0: some really, really good Giles. Yeah. yeah we have really good Giles He's just fantastic. but before before we dive into our excellent Giles um, yes. what you said about loss of innocence yeah. really really resonated with me because there's a beautiful visual depiction of that in this episode mm-hmm. um, Angel goes to Buffy's house tells her about what he did to Drusilla yeah. and we get this fascinating shot he's told her and we end the scene by cutting to a long shot of them through the window from the outside of the house yeah so she's yeah. sitting she's sitting at the dining table angel's standing and we get this fascinating shot of them through the window it's like just domestic sorrow she's kind of hunched over he's right. sort of leaning forward there's this visual divide between them of the mm-hmm. the line um of the window frame and from there from from that moment we cut to Buffy in sunlight at school mm-hmm. presumably the next day we go from so we go from night to day and her mm-hmm. costume change from white in her house to black at school and it's a lovely yeah. um, visual echo it's not the same right. shirt or same sweater in black but it's very similar Mm-hmm. So we get this kind of we sort of see her in the opposite, you know, it's a it's a um color and light flipped version of yeah. Buffy, and she's standing there sort of in mourning with this knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. that is the end of Buffy and Angel for this episode. This is not yeah. we don't loop back to them. We end with his confession. Of mm-hmm. past sins, and then we go right to her, right back to her being Buffy the high school student, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We see her interaction with Ford and the the club, and then Giles mm-hmm. at the end. But we never get back to Angel, and I think that's fascinating. Yeah, and then that well, shot... her going
1: from white to black, mm-hmm. right? Because she is then carrying that darkness with her, mm-hmm. right? She is he has in that in that moment like there is an innocence lost for her. Oh yeah. You know, and is she going to choose to still love this man, you know, and trust this man after knowing what he's done, you yeah. know? Um and so it is really interesting. I love that you call that out because she is then wearing that darkness yeah. and carrying it with her. You know, through into the sunlight, so that even in the sunlight she still has that darkness with her. And
0: then we get a beautiful tonal like a visual tonal shift when Ford walks Mm -hmm. up to her at school and the camera sort of circles around them at a couple of different angles and there's this foreboding predatory kind of music playing under and it's almost played like she seems very detached in that moment the camera is moving he's moving but she's very still and she's sort of um going through the motions of having this conversation with him but it's kind mm-hmm. of like now that she has this knowledge about angel and what he has done you know who drusilla is what he did to her and what he did deliberately because that's yeah. the that's the really chilling part of that story to me is not mm-hmm. just angel's you know what he calls his obsession with drusilla but that he did this it was systematic it was deliberate she is the way she is because of what he did to her mind that is some Mm -hmm.
1: fucked up shit right there it is but also like here we go back again to this thing like what is he responsible for right we have buffy telling ford in this episode right that You don't just get to live on happily ever after. Mm -hmm. You know, the demon has all of your memories, but is not you. Oh, yeah. Right. So is Angel, but Angel is held responsible and remembers and feels responsible for everything he did while he was a demon. Yeah. So is it that the demon... You know, the demon that Angel, like, Angel, at first he was Liam, mm-hmm. right? You know, he was just a regular kid in Ireland yeah. being a, a lazy, you know, <laughs> worthless lout, right? Um, he gets turned into a demon, mm-hmm. and then he becomes what he is now, and that when he gets his soul back, he does not turn back into Liam, but yet he continues to be a variation on Angelus, Angel. Yeah, Right. So so even though like Liam may not be responsible for what Angelus did, Angel is because Angel is not Liam. Yes. Right. I mean, is that like the soul that he got is a soul that was attached to Angelus. Right. But he still remains. A variation on Angelus. Right. (laughs) I I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is that is that the transition when you get a soul, you don't become who you were before you were vamped. You become a vamp with
0: a soul, right? Yeah, I, I so mean... So he's still all of those things. I guess that checks out. I mean, I I think that Drusilla is actually a really great clue to how much of you remains mm-hmm. when you're a vampire because Angel tells us that he destroyed her mind before he yeah. turned her. Mm-hmm. So, and we we read Drusilla as real out there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) not great representation of the neuroatypical population, but, you know. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Whatever. But Drusilla, I mean, Drusilla is fascinating. Yes. Because Mm -hmm. she seems to... How do I want to say this? Her knowledge... Of the past seems to coexist with her present mm-hmm. um, mental space. We know that she's I don't know, I don't know what it is she's she is able to see and experience things that no one else in the world is able to. So, yeah, she's slightly
1: reality shift. Yeah. You know, like she sees things that other people don't see. And she's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, we yeah. have this moment where she says, um, your heart stinks of her poor little thing. She has no idea what's in store right yeah. and we know of course having watched all of buffy me multiple times like um you know we know what's <laughs> in store for her and it ain't good yeah. like the rest of season 2 for her is basically going to be one long slog into hell yes. like it's it's very very bad for buffy in season 2 um and it's loving angel that takes her to that space that brings her to this darkness mm-hmm. you know um And so it's it's kind of interesting because uh, because Drusilla always seems to know and she has the sight, which is something that we established, you know, later that she's always had the sight that she could see things she knew she was always psychic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But now she's psychic and damaged in such a way that she's kind of phase shifted, like she can see things that nobody else sees, but she can never explain it. You know, she can never be like, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is how shit's going to go down, right? You know, instead, it's always these, like, little poetic droplets that she'll, like, lay down, you know, and then you have to understand them. But you would never be able to figure it out until you've seen everything and then you're like, oh, that's what she was talking about, you know? So uh, Drusilla is... Kind of fascinating in that way, and so um, so beautiful and interesting. She wears these Edwardian dresses, mm-hmm. you know. She is very much a product of her time, um, which is really interesting because Spike we see moves in the now. Oh, yeah. Spike lives in the moment. Spike's leather. He's wearing jeans. He's wearing you yeah. know button down shirt. Like he is not living in you know the I guess the nineteenth century is when he was turned, um, but she is. You know, she's very much like you know uh like wearing those kind of dresses and um and living in that space mm-hmm. and uh and it's really it's so interesting that these two you know would be so drawn together he is forever changing and she is always the same
0: yeah yeah so i i just i love that she is creepy just by existing like just her yeah. presence is creepy and again that is i want to say has a lot to do with Juliet Landau's performance. It's oh yes, she's so a so good. I mean, mm-hmm. hair and makeup is part of it too. Um, yeah. When we see the photograph of her and Giles's reference materials, she doesn't look quite so otherworldly. I mean, you can see that like right. fantastic bone structure, but she doesn't yeah. look <laughs> quite so out there. But she's, I mean, damn! I mean, like yeah. when she says, she says well I'm not a person see she's almost offended there's a Mm -hmm. little bit and I I don't again I don't know that that was necessarily on the page I don't know that that was in the script it's there are so many little moments with Drusilla um especially in that opener that Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine I can't imagine how a director would direct an actor to do that I want to say that it comes from her yeah I think it's I think it's just something that she brought to it I mean the way that you know when she says my dear boy has gone all the way hasn't he to her Mm -hmm. and then she opens her mouth in this little like not quite a laugh yeah it's this I gotcha face it's so Mm -hmm. good it's so so good and it really drives home for me the idea that Drusilla knows everything Drusilla knows everything that's going on and she's so aware. Um, Mm -hmm. But when she said, you brought up the line, you know, she says, uh, your heart stinks of her. She has no idea what's in store. What is she talking about? Is she talking about the the curse of the constantly misunderstood sex shaming plot device? Right. (laughs) Or is she talking about herself and the way that Angel because he was obsessed with her, destroyed her. Now, I'm not arguing yeah. that Angel is obsessed with Buffy in the way that he was obsessed with Drusilla, but I... Ch- well, but that loving
1: Angel is usually not something that ends that's well not so good. for women. Yeah, it's- Like, it doesn't It doesn't typically end well, you know? Um, and I think that, that that's a real, you know, it's something I think that he is aware of, right? Because when he comes to Buffy's house and he tells her who he is, he is trying to tell her, this is this is what I am. Yeah. Like, if you make this choice, and she says, you know, don't I get to choose? Don't I get to make that decision? Yeah. And he's like, fine, you make that decision, but let me just give you a little glimpse into who I am and what I've done, mm-hmm. you know, before you decide that, right? And um, it is, like, it's it's so complicated and nuanced, and I love this opening interaction with Angel and Drusilla, because we don't get you know, we don't get, oh, I remember the time that you tormented me, right. yada, yada yada yada, we just see we see his guilt with her, mm-hmm. we see her connection to him. If we get our first dear boy, yeah, right, which becomes a big thing in angel with with uh, Darla, you know, mm-hmm. calls him dear boy, and of course darla is means dear one, right yeah. so there's something in these connections that that are that are resonating here even now, you know, um and it's just it's so incredibly. Like beautifully done. And I think this is one of the first episodes of Buffy where we go this deep in this dark. You know, um, and we don't with Buffy. We we maintain kind of a lightness, even even with you know all of the stuff that happens in Buffy. There's always a certain level of lightness that's that's maintained, except for in certain deep dips. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is like one of the first times that we go dark in Buffy, and I yeah. I love it. I mean, even to the point where we've got Drusilla coaxing the dead bird. Oh, my right? god, I love you know. That. I mean, it's it's brilliant. You know, and Spike is like it's. Dead. We get them. You don't feed them, and then they die. Right? And Jocelyn's like, mm, yeah. She no. just
0: whimpers and pulls away. I like know, she's. I know. Like it's her reaction. That reaction to me suggests an awareness of her own uh-huh. mental state. Um, yeah. Similar to when, but to when, uh, sorry, not Spike. Angel says, "Take Spike and get out," and she mm-hmm. says, "Or you'll hurt me." no no you can't not anymore she it's it is almost like demon drusilla and here we go again with like what part of the vampire is the person that it was before right it's almost like Mm -hmm. demon drusilla is remembering human drusilla's mental torment Mm -hmm. under angel i just oh it's so good (laughs) <laughs> and compared to that like
1: he can't hurt her even if he kills her even if he yeah. stakes her it's nothing compared to what he's already yep. done yeah you know so yeah i mean that's it's really really interesting oh, yeah i like that
0: yeah but there but sorry. there you... <clears throat> sorry but there it is again with drusilla coaxing the dead bird and she's mm-hmm. She is very otherworldly in that moment. And Spike mm-hmm. is in the now. He's trying to yeah. get her to talk about what's going on now. And finally he loses his patience with her and says, The bird is dead. <laughs> it's all dead. <laughs> you, d- you didn't feed it and it's dead. Like he just he loses it because yeah. he's he wants that that now. Like he doesn't, you know, he says later to Ford that he doesn't do well with tradition or he doesn't care for tradition i forget what his line is Um, Mm -hmm. he's not interested in staying in the past he's not interested in doing things the way that they've always been done yeah Mm -hmm. spike is like now like (laughs) let's do this of the moment Yeah. Spike is of
1: the moment. And I love that when Ford comes in and he's such a tell me I've got 30 seconds left or whatever. (laughs) Spike has no patience
0: for it. He's the director. Ford is the the director and he wants to Mm -hmm. run the whole show, you know, literally and figuratively. He wants everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, he is the one giving orders to everyone. And Spike is having none of it. Spike is like, yeah. I'm not a character in your movie. I'm not going right. to do this for you. I've,
1: I've seen you for two minutes and I can't stand yes. you. I do not feature you <laughs> exactly. living forever. Like it's... <laughs> but then he does turn him. Yeah. In the end. He keeps his word. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we that. need to have Ford turned so at the end, Buffy can stake it. Yeah. Right. Because Buffy has to have that moment where she closes out this loss of innocence. Yeah. You know, completely. Right. Um, and, and commits herself to that's where she is. There's no going back. After she staked Ford, that's it. Yeah. You, know, you can't turn around from there. Right. Um, so it's really, you know, interesting to me that Spike hates Ford. Right. Um, but Ford delivered to Spike, gave Spike the slayer. It's not Ford's fault that she got away from him, you know? Um, and in the end, he doesn't kill him. He turns him. Yeah. You know, I, or somebody does. I wondered about so that. So he keeps that his seemed, word.
0: That seemed odd to me. And again, I understand why it happens for storytelling reasons, but I was like, really? Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess. I didn't expect him to actually
1: turn to. Ford. i thought he was you know absolutely just going to kill him but he actually did turn him and i think that that's interesting Uh, you know like why would he make that choice and i think that if he knew and i don't know that we get this but if he knew that ford meant something to buffy you know Mm. then that would be a motivation for him to turn him because that would make buffy chase after her old friend and you know leave spike alone for a day you know yeah and Spike only ever thinks in terms of what's good for me in the next fifteen minutes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really like it's oh god, it's just it's such it's such a great episode. Yeah. I love this episode. I've always liked this episode. I remember it poorly because it's one of those things when the bad guy, you know, or the monster of the week or whatever, isn't great, and Ford is not great. Ford is floppy hair douchebag without the floppy hair. Like, he is absolutely <laughs> just another one in a long string of this guy, yeah. you know, for, for Buffy. Yeah. um, You know, so Ford is not interesting and he's he's really not great. But this episode, this episode is so good. And of course, you know, Joss Whedon wrote it and whatever Joss Whedon's faults and, you know, he has many. Um, Man, can he put an episode of television together? Like, this is... <laughs> (laughs) beautiful and I love everything and then you know we get to that end you know with Giles and Buffy and Giles I love this whole thing with Giles and Buffy I love that he is you know Go out, have fun, enjoy yourself, take the night off, you know. Um, Here's my information. You can, you know, you can beat me. Then she's like, no, Ford knows. And he takes her aside and he's like, okay, are you just telling everybody now? Like, is this a thing? Are you doing it to impress
0: a cute boy? I loved that so much. I love Giles kind of showing more understanding of Buffy.
1: I did think it was interesting
0: that he didn't say, um, how does he know? (laughs) Like, because Buffy says, I didn't tell him he knew. And Giles isn't like, wait a minute. (laughs) How does everybody know? know? But
1: but I also love, too, that he was like, you know, are you doing this to impress a cute boy? And instead of being judgmental (laughs) about it, he's just he's just asking the question. It's It's really very sweet. But God, this whole this whole moment at the end. And this is Giles. Like, this is this is who Giles is. This is who he becomes. This is who he will be for the rest of the time. Like, he's, he deals with her as he's walking her through this process of losing her innocence, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is something that adults do with kids all the time, right? Because innocence is lost in a number of different ways. It is not just sexual. You know, there are oh, a number God, of ways no. in which you it's lose your innocence as you go through the world. It's Exactly, you know. <laughs> And he's walking her through this in such a kind and loving and yet respectful way. He he doesn't treat her like she's a kid. You know, he just treats her like she's someone who has experiences or he has experiences that she hasn't had. And he can kind of help walk her through it. So he is really like working with her as a true mentor, but he doesn't treat her like a child. You know he doesn't ever try to he only lies to her when she asks him to mm-hmm. you know um and, and i i love it's that It's the
0: sweetest of lies it too it's so, so dear it is I know. so dear i love that i mean that is some fantastic writing right there
1: yes giles is absolutely the best unlike xander um out xander's back oh, yeah. y'all so
0: Do we have to be so hard on Xander? Yes. Yes, we really do. Because
1: he's. Yes, we do. Uh, Xander does not have much in this episode, but what he has is complete shadow Xander. First of all, uh, Buffy's upset because of what happened with Angel, and she's worried about this stuff. And instead of being like, oh, I'm sorry, you're my friend. I don't want you to hurt, you know, he's like, hey, it's me. If Angel's doing something wrong, I want to know because it gives me a happy, right? Like, he's happy that Buffy's unhappy. And that is not friendship yeah you know i mean that is being a jerk then ford shows up and he's all you know jealous and possessive buffy with ford and it's not cute it's not fun you know i don't like it and he's we get very very little xander in this episode and all of it is is kind of this just jealous possessive jerk yeah
0: you made him do that thing where he's gone. He's even like. I know. <laughs> like, Willow, you know, Willow's trying to bring Angel into the friend group and Xander's having none of it. Yeah. I mean, Xander, there's no
1: reason for him to be a jerk to Angel. Like, he and Angel worked together to save Buffy. That is a bonding experience. Yeah. You know, Angel has saved him a number of times. Yeah. I mean, granted, you know, Angel pretended to want to bite him you know with spike or whatever but he didn't actually do it (laughs) yeah um so i think that like there's there's no reason for xander to hold on to this this possessiveness with buffy and it is not a good look on xander it does not work well for him um i understand it's an easy joke for us to go to and given that this was written by joss whedon and joss whedon of course sees xander as a reflection of himself and so i don't know i'm gonna track do we get our worst xander when Whedon is writing ooh, him, ooh, that's an interesting because question. Because I think, I think sometimes we I do. Think sometimes I we think do. sometimes we do.
0: Although we get a touch of of light Xander when mm-hmm. Buffy is sad, and he says he he offers to cheer her up with a wild dance party at the Bronze, and he actually does a little wild dance. That he says yeah. and then he dials <laughs> it back you know he does it way back very calm dance party at the Bronx. <laughs> like that that felt like true friendship that that moment and then but then yeah. of course you know we've got to, we have to undo it because then ford shows up and xander becomes awful yeah. you know would i be imposing yeah. oh only in the literal sense you know it's just, right oh come on exactly come on. shut up xander Just shut up. Yeah. And we get another, we get another fat shaming joke from Xander, which I'm just, I'm Mm -hmm. tired of that. Like it's fat shaming is your fat shaming jokes are boring, Joss. Don't Mm -hmm. do it. Right. It's your fat shaming jokes, your gay jokes, like all of
1: these things are boring. You're just showing,
0: you're just Mm -hmm. showing your prejudice. It's not okay. And it's not funny. So. It's not
1: funny. It's just, I mean, like, the thing is, if a joke is funny, even if it's in bad taste, like, generally, I'll be like, all right, legit joke. Yes. Right? You know, yes. Like, <laughs> Even if it's in bad taste, I'll be like, I, you know, got to respect the craft, right? But when it is, it's one of these kinds of jokes, and it's not even funny, Yeah, then it's just even worse. Yeah, Like, that makes it even worse. Like, it's bad enough that it's fat shaming, or that it's gay shaming, or that it's whatever kind of stupid stuff comes up. But the joke isn't good. So, you know. <laughs> Ba- like at least at joke. least show me some craft you know <laughs> there but you go. Yeah. there you so go so that that I think almost offends me more yes well <laughs> it's just that the, the jokes aren't as good. a writer
0: I can imagine mm-hmm. why <laughs> like, yes you have yes, access absolutely. to all the words and that's what you chose to write <laughs> come on <laughs> really right um
1: so i think generally um overall there's a couple of little things that i thought were really funny i love uh you know when buffy makes that joke about and i listen to the divinal song i touch myself and now i've just realized what that is and then we you know she leaves with ford and xander's talking and you see willow in the background with this confused look on her face and you know xander's just talking and then all of a sudden she goes oh is that what that song means
0: (laughs) that song is not subtle guys like that again though with the bad I know. joke loss of innocence like, but the all right yes <laughs> the song is not subtle folks i know anyway. but when
1: you're a kid they were children when the song when the song comes out when you're a kid you don't know what it means and then because you're so used to it you don't think about it and then it's just there and you don't really question it you know um and so i just i again like we have a loss of innocence all the way through and and it, the loss of innocence comes with the realization that reality is not what you thought it yeah, was that's you know true. and here we have a, a tiny fun light moment of that even with willow and i thought that was Willow's. Really
0: cute. well and and it's there from the moment we yeah. cut to Xander and with Willow in the background. Yeah. She's you can see the wheels turning. It's great. The Confucian, I know, It's a great performance. I, so moment. Brilliant. I don't I I I don't buy the the not knowing what the song was about, but that's all right. That's fine. <laughs> I buy it. I buy it. If you're a kid when you hear
1: that stuff, like you don't you know, and you never think about, it. Oh my god, is that what it means? Like honestly, yeah. Yeah, there's tons of stuff. There's things that there's songs that were out when I was a kid that to this day I probably still don't know what it means. <laughs> it's blatantly clear, but because I, I my first interaction with it was when I had that innocence, you know. Well, I was a weird um, kid. Then, I've been
0: breaking down words and lyrics since I was tiny, so maybe I'm just okay. So maybe you, I'm showing you may my unusual. weird. I
1: was I was very innocent and always accepted everything and you know whatever it seemed to be or whatever. So uh, yeah, I've I've absolutely no uh, idea. I have no idea about that. So. Um, all right, so what do we have for what are you wearing? This is a, an interesting um, outfit show. There's some there's some good
0: outfits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yes. we we talked already about Jenny calling Giles on his tweed collection. Yes. <laughs> do you own anything? Else? I know. <laughs> and I love that he's just grasping at straws in that moment. You know, he just doesn't yes. want to be surprised. I know. But also, like, when they
1: call them back from the Monster Truck date, he's actually not wearing no, tweed. He's, not. he's wearing a blue blazer. Like, he's, you know, it's a different Giles. This is nighttime, <laughs> night-time Giles, <time> baby. Giles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is sexy time Giles. <laughs> <laughs> no sweater vest. that blue button yeah. front shirt and a necktie it's nice yeah i'm not i'm saying he looks no good. he does he he looks he looks wonderful and he looks like he's ready to go to the opera or the ballet which i yes. absolutely love and then and oh he God, was at monster trucks, poor yeah. poor giles you took him to monster trucks i love right. i love buffy kind of scolding this calendar in that moment like how right. dare you like don't you like, don't you care like about have you him? have you met yeah, giles? Exactly. Like, like, <laughs> that, that was that's actually what it says in my notes it says have you met giles <laughs> <laughs> but there's some it's yeah, so cute it's it's such a great moment it's <laughs> so great and i just i know i've said it before I really like Giles and Jenny as a couple. I really I, I do too. I really they're kind of I really like them, and I know it goes horribly, and I just I'm choosing not to think about that right now because right now you don't do have to too. right now.
1: you can just enjoy them because they're live cute. in the moment. um, live in the moment,
0: but we get some I mean great, great costuming on mm-hmm. Chanterelle and Diego yes. mm-hmm. Diego with his blue lame and they both
1: have one outfit they have one vampire club outfit each yeah (laughs) they wear the same thing in every scene and you know what that's fine i can get it you're 16 years old you pretty much only have one you have that one vampire outfit but you got it for halloween right
0: (gasps) but i love angel saying these people don't know anything about vampires what they are how they live how they dress and then the kid walks behind him and passes him wearing dressed in exactly what he's wearing (laughs) That is pretty cute. It's that is pretty great. Cute. And in, I think it's the previous scene, or maybe it's the the next mm-hmm. scene, Buffy is wearing the reverse of that. Um, Angel has a red shirt with a black jacket mm-hmm. and Buffy's wearing a black shirt with a red jacket. And we've done that before with them. We've also done parallel outfits with them before, but I just thought that was, mm-hmm. that was an interesting little choice to make them mirror flip yeah. that way. Um Yeah. But there's a wonderful moment where the I feel like the clothing really adds to the storytelling. Um mm-hmm. when Buffy confronts the vampire cult at the club, yes. she's you know, she's telling them, um, you know, you're you're playing in serious traffic here. And Chanterell and Diego are standing there. And we, we cut to them, and Chanterelle is wearing red, and Diego's wearing mm-hmm. white and blue. And so together, mm-hmm. they are red, white, and blue. Oh. And I thought that was very interesting, that mm-hmm. we see, we get the American flag in the Vampire Club. We don't get it, and we get it on Xander. Xander wears red and white, but we don't mm-hmm. get it on Willow. We don't get it on Buffy or Ford or Angel. Ford mm-hmm. wears green and orange a lot, which I just, I don't yeah. know what to do with that. Um <laughs> When in the bronze, well, in the bronze, he's wearing green and Xander's wearing red and they're sort of a nice, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's that nice parallelism, yeah. you know, with the complimentary colors there because of course Xander is being all jealous and Willow mm-hmm. is wearing a fantastic button front shirt. In that scene at the Bronze, and I want somebody who oh, yeah. knows more about fashion to tell me what that print is. And was Ooh. this a th- like, because it looks like faces, uh-huh. and I don't know, like I don't know enough about fashion to say what it is or if that was popular or, or if it's vintage or what it's amazing. She wears an amazing yeah, button I have front no shirt. Idea. <laughs> uh, fashion Twitter, <laughs> yeah, Fa- fashion Twitter, fashion Twitter slash. Buffy, Twitter, that's a, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a huge overlap. That's a thing. Huge yeah. overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, Buffy in that scene where she's confronting the vampire cult followers um, mm-hmm. is wearing, I think she's wearing tan. Like she's very earth tones. Yeah. She's very grounded. She's grounded. Yeah, grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. And here they are in their like bright, flashy yeah. vampire garb. I don't know. It's it Halloween costume yeah, garb, yeah. yeah. Although you know, I have to say, I I gotta give it to um, Chanterelle with her all of that intense vampire makeup she wears. She still manages yeah. to be like the vulnerability comes through. The sincerity. Yeah, no, comes she is through.
1: hugely vulnerable. It's yeah,
0: just it's great when you can when you can sell it with with all of that makeup on your face yeah it just...
1: and when angel challenges her you know and then later on she says one of them was mean. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like her innocence is just huge She's in that moment, fantastic. and it's so like watching her evolve through all of those identities is really fun in the background it's really easy to like never notice that it's the same girl mm-hmm. you know we get some hints about yeah. it you know <laughs> but um but yeah like, like you never. she notice doesn't that it's know the same that girl.
0: chanterelle is a mushroom she doesn't know That's so i know sweet. and it's so
1: sweet
0: <laughs> it's so sweet <laughs> all right so arg the patriarchy oh, what you got for me this god i mean <laughs> do we even have to talk about ford and what an entitled prick he oh, is yeah. i mean yeah basically everything he does um mm-hmm. especially his defense you know everybody lies yeah. and then trying to Convince Buffy of his rightness in this Mm -hmm. moment. It's just he's so, so entitled and so icky. He's going to sacrifice all of these people. And then he makes a rape joke. And I'm just like, uh uh, nope, I'm done. I can't. (laughs) Like it, I can't. And I mean, and that's that's in the script. That's writing. And I'm sorry. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, Mm. <laughs> just... Okay, where is the lame He joke? says, on, um, he's talking about, he's trying to align himself with Buffy. He's talking about mm-hmm. how great they each are and how horrible the world is. He says, um, too many people just lay back and take it, but us, and she interrupts him there. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's, uh-uh, no. Oh, see, I didn't see that as a rape Uh, joke. I don't know. Lay back and take it. That feels like abuser language to me. Yeah. And the way he the way he is speaking down to people who would, in his mind, do this, who would be um, who would accept
1: their mm -hmm. fate and not try to kill a million other people because they're going to die. That, yeah, as though that is weakness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, trigger warning. It feels like a rape joke. I res- no, I, you know, I you know, I
1: understand. I didn't, I didn't read it that way, but I can but see where you get that. Yeah,
0: that mm-hmm. is where. That's where I went with it. <laughs> um, which, yeah.
1: No, I think that that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I mean, I was thinking of it in terms of you know, take the beating. Yeah. Right. Like when like when a bully is beating up on you and you just take it, but lie back and take it's it. The, yeah. It's the lay back. I think, I think that you have. It. Yeah. I think you have clear textual evidence for it being a rape reference, but I didn't see it that way. But I think you're. But right. I think. Yeah?
0: But I mean, not to play devil's advocate because the devil needs no advocates. But isn't that rape yes. culture? Not yeah. seeing a mm-hmm. rape joke when. Yeah, It clearly... I mean, and I don't even want... I hesitate to even call it a joke. It's not a joke. It's a... It's a reference. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But it's delivered... I think it's delivered with that kind of um, sinister quality that rape jokes are often delivered. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. Because it's about... Because just like rape is about power, so is joking about it or referencing it when it's Mm -hmm. done to... Further <laughs> Further your yeah. creepy bad guy agenda Yeah so now we really do have to put a trigger warning on this episode But oh well <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> oh god That's alright, you know what We really need to put a trigger warning on life <laughs> Oh god, you know? right? Jesus <laughs> Jesus. Alright, so let's move on yeah, to something better How about your girl power <laughs> moment of the week Well I love I I do love Buffy Standing up to Angel And saying, you know Shouldn't I get to choose? Like he's, she says, "Yeah, I love you." I'm not sure I trust you, and he says, "Maybe shouldn't do either." And she says, Mm -hmm. she yells at him, you know, and says, "Yeah, I get you. You don't get to tell me what I should and shouldn't do, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah, you know. I mean, people put all of this." She has all this responsibility. You know, she's the slayer. She's got to face all the stuff. She's got to grow up faster than she wanted to. Like all of these things that she has to face, you know, and yet people are still trying to protect her. You shouldn't love me. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't. trust. You know, if you don't want her to love you and trust you, leave town, Mm -hmm. dude. Like, you know, if you really want to protect her from you. But also that it's like, you know, we take her agency away from her, you know, by doing that. And he's doing that. You shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, but I mean, in the same way, though, like he tells her everything that he's done, shares all of that with her, and then lets her make her choice. And I think that that's, you know, that's pretty good. But she's right. Like, you know, she should be the one who gets to choose for her. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I love that it, it echoes or not echoes. I love that we... Get a reference to that again when she's talking to Ford at the end, and he says, "I don't have mm-hmm. a choice," and she says, "You d- you do have a choice. You don't have a good choice." And I right. love that. I love mm-hmm. Buffy giving Ford the advice she needs to hear. Um, yeah, right. anyone who hangs out mm-hmm. with me knows that one of my guiding principles of life is people give the advice they need to hear. I like that Buffy is talking to herself in that moment, too, about, you know, Mm -hmm. well, and she says, you know, he tells her he's dying and she says, I didn't know. And she's genuinely sorry for him, but she doesn't excuse his behavior. And I think that's a nice reflection of her conflict with Angel as well, that she Mm -hmm. loves him and she's horrified by this truth about him. She's not going to excuse it but she has feelings for him but like it's it's a wonderfully complicated emotional space to be in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's handled, I mean, I think Buffy handles that emotional roller coaster really really well. Buffy herself, the yeah. character not not necessarily not the show necessarily but Buffy as a character I think is really really excellent at holding all of those ideas simultaneously Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's very Mm -hmm.
0: sad yeah Ford it's very sad that you're dying and you don't get to slaughter all of these people
1: Right. Well, no, I like her moment where she's like, you know, isn't this exactly how you imagined it? You tell me I feel sorry for you. And she's like, I do feel sorry for you. But these people come in here and start killing people. I'm going to kill you myself. Yeah. You know, like she is not taking any of his bullshit, yeah. you know, and, and I like that where she's like, you don't have a good choice, but you have mm-hmm. a choice, you know. And um, and even then she still gives him a chance. Help me. Yeah. Don't do this. And he doesn't. Yep you know. Um, so yeah, I think I think that she is, Buffy is amazing in this episode. I love her in this episode. I think she is so strong. She is so it's so horrible, all the stuff that she's having to deal with. And yet she deals with it with such strength and grace and, and power. And I love all of that.
0: Yeah. All right. So what's your favorite part? Like? <laughs> My favorite part is Allison Hannigan's entire performance in this episode. Yes. <laughs> the willow we get it line to me is just delightful and about nine mm-hmm. kinds of vulnerable but yes i mean i absolutely love her not being able to lie to buffy like it literally makes her jumpy and buffy <laughs> buffy says have you been drinking coffee again <laughs> we talked about this yes <laughs> she says and that forced laugh mm-hmm. of being where she she is being found out but also she's getting away with this lie buffy thinks it's coffee not that she's been talking right. to angel it's amazing she goes through an entire you know lifetime's worth of emotion in yeah. that moment but yeah. my absolute favorite is is the willow that we get when she's got angel in her bedroom and she's yes Trying to be a good friend to everybody and trying Mm -hmm. so hard. I mean, Willow, I think Willow trying to be a good friend is my favorite Willow, Mm -hmm. full stop. And we get that here with Angel. We also get it with Buffy when Buffy tells Willow that Ford knows she's the Slayer. And she says, wow, it's neat. Is it neat? <laughs> she's huh. like, she has her genuine reaction, and then she has to backpedal. Yeah. Like, okay, wait, am I doing friendship right? Am I connecting? Because right. I really mm-hmm. like these people, and I want them to like me. And oh God, I hope I'm friending she's right. So and cute. I think that she's that, so sweet. I, <laughs> as a kind of awkward person myself, I feel like that is something that. I just I really, really identify with that really speaks to me. The I really I I just wanna I just wanna be a good friend to this person. And that willow that willow is just my favorite willow of all. She's fantastic. All right, what you got for me? What's your favorite part? Oh, Giles. (laughs) Giles and Buffy at the end. I just, honestly,
1: it is not just my favorite moment in this episode, but it is one of my all-time favorite moments for the whole series. When she, like, after this whole episode about lies and secrets and trust, she turns to the one person that she can trust. And she says, lie to me. Yeah. I mean, and then he does. You know, like, it is, oh, God. It kills me every time.
0: I love it. There's something really beautiful about trusting someone enough to mm-hmm. allow them to spin a fantasy for you. Yeah. That is that is some level of, of trust. And then how do you feel about her line, though? She gets the last word. She says, liar. Yeah.
1: I don't, yeah, I wish I wish we I didn't have that. I don't love that. I don't either, because I think that it's such a poignant moment where he ends on that, yeah. and when she says "liar," then we we take the we take the poignancy out of it and we make it into a joke. Yeah. And it honestly, for me, is a, is just like it would have been perfect without that. Alright, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter. Follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Noelle at NoelleAloud and use the hashtag still pretty. You can also
0: visit the Chipperish forums. Go to Chipperish.com, click on forum, and join in the fun. Or you can keep Chipperish media going to the tune of a dollar a month or five dollars a month or ten dollars <laughs> a month or a million dollars. No. Um <laughs> We will take all of the dollars that you care to throw our way it really helps us continue to produce still pretty and all chipperish media podcasts Um, and just a dollar gets you access to the live chat in discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the chipperish patrons who are going to get the chance to do two things every chipperish patron should get a chance to do die young and stay pretty visit (laughs) patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more you can also show
1: your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show
0: or by promising not
1: to bite us, even if we tell you something you don't want to hear.
0: That might be one of the most accurate ones of those that we've ever done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we will be back next time with The Dark Age, the eighth episode of season two. Until then, it's terribly simple. The good guys are always stalwart and true. True. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. We always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies, and everybody lives happily ever after.